Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to College Football Unfiltered. I am your host, Josh Taylor, and joining me, as always, Donovan White. What's going on, Donovan? No complaints. Another great weekend in college football coming up after a wild one as we broke down on Monday. Uh, You know, excited as always to dive in. Absolutely. And Blaine's away on some uh, family things going on this week, so he will be back soon. But man, we do have a busy week. Like you said, we talked about our reactions to last week. Nonstop action. I'm still not over Alabama losing, but it's okay. Trust the process, as Nick Saban always says. we got Mississippi State coming up next, so looking forward to that. But speaking of action, guys, I have to let you all know, as part of the Belief Podcast Network, we are presented by Bet Online, which is the easiest way to place all of your bets. So if you're watching on YouTube here, I have everything down below but guys like i said bet online is the easiest way to place all your bets whether it's pro football college football it doesn't matter and to be honest with you uh unc cost me a lot of money last week with some parlays they had losing to florida state did not have that happening at all but it's okay because even when your team loses like alabama you can still have some fun throughout the week placing bets but bet online is the easiest way to place all your bets with more odds props and contests going on a new interface All you have to do is go to their website on your mobile device or web browser and sign up today. And like I said, below has the promo code believe B L E A V and you will get that 50% welcome bonus. So if you throw down a hundred dollars, you get 50% bonus on top of that. So some free money to play with. It's always good to have free money, right? Donovan. Oh yeah. Always put it the house money. Exactly. You can't get free money anywhere else. Like I said, guys, sign up for bet online, get in on the action because there's a ton of stuff coming up and we have another pack show looking ahead to this week. And let's start out with because we have our big three. The first thing we're looking at, one of the headlines that drew my eyes this week, we put in here thinking of what we believe is going to happen in this coming week, looking at that Oklahoma TCU matchup. And right away, Lincoln Riley puts his name in the news saying he's canceling all media availability until Saturday after the game. What's your reaction to that, Donovan? It's a little strange, right? And it, and it plays into the headline of, of the you know first set of the big three, which was Oklahoma rolls TC with Caleb Williams at the Helms, right? And that is, I think, one of the two scenarios that could happen, right? Caleb Williams steps in if he's the one that starts, right? Maybe he's I not. Maybe he that's, I, and I think he will too, but especially with the no media availability, it kind of hints at that happening but let's say he steps in right he takes the reins and he just rips it off and he gives this Oklahoma team new life if that's happens they're gonna roll TCO the other yeah. scenario is that he comes in or Spencer Rattler starts and either one Oklahoma still struggles so that headline is something I think that is the more likely scenario but it could go either way honestly yeah, it's either he's rolling with his guy, Caleb Williams, and he doesn't want the media to ask him questions. He can't deal with this. Caleb Williams is actually, or uh, Spencer Rattler is actually the first quarterback he actually recruited in high school, and he actually has been developing. You know, obviously with, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts transferring, he didn't have that. He came over already ready to play, kind of tweaked uh, Jalen Hurts' game a little bit and kind of rolled with it. Spencer Rattler, again, I mentioned to see how he's handling the situation, but I agree with you. I think you have to go with Caleb Williams, especially coming back in such a big rivalry game. One of the most exciting games this season, even though there was like no defense at all that game. But still, I, I find it hard to take out the hot hand like that and say, hey, we're going to fall back on Spencer. Like, And you don't know like how he takes this mentally because like you see videos of him and like the special on like Netflix or whatever it was, like the QB1 school and stuff like that. Like the kind of player he is. And I'm not going to like 
put a shot at Spencer Rattler or anything like that. But to me, you see him get rattled. You see him getting booed at home, and he didn't get any better. Like, I feel like that weighed a lot on him, and he didn't handle it well. Like, I didn't see him improve at all. I kind of seen him regress a little bit, and you see, you know, you get the NIL deal. You're the number one overall pick, like unanimous. You're the Heisman favorite to start the season, and now you might be on the bench. So I think it's interesting to look at, but I don't see how you go against Caleb Williams. He showed the upside, not even just passing the ball, but on his feet something that Spencer's been missing all season long. And our first bet, which is presented by Bet Online, like I said, Ole Miss three-point favorites at Tennessee. I feel like three points is not enough. Yes, Tennessee's got a good offense this season. Surprise a lot of us. I'll say that. Seems like they put the entire last season's point total on Missouri this season. So Ole Miss minus threes. The lane train kind of pulling back, or is it just full steam ahead over in Knoxville? I don't think it's pulling back at all, right? You kind of had a shootout, like who wants to win this game more between, you know, Ole Miss and Arkansas last week. I just don't, I, I again, I don't get the three point line against Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee's got a good you know, front. It, it is. They got a good front seven right on the defensive side of the ball. And they, obviously they got a good rushing game. Um, but Ole Miss, I just don't see a lot of teams in the SEC let or in college ball that unless you have a, elite defense, right. That's going to play up against the play against them. Even I, I understand they only scored 21 against Alabama and then it got a little rattled because obviously Bama's defense isn't elite and it's, it's, it's maybe good. Sorry, Josh. That's all right. That's um, true. That's true. It, it, it's like, I just don't see a lot of teams, you know, unless you have an elite def- defense or unless you're playing at Bama, right. Which is going to rattle a lot of teams that's going to slow down that offense and Tennessee, I don't think is either Bama or an elite defense. Yeah. The thing is I saw, Ole Miss, you know, against Arkansas, play some good competition, like you said, Alabama. Obviously, Tennessee's not Alabama. Lane Kiffin's not going to be going forward on fourth down all the time. But, like, I like Tennessee. I really like Hendon Hooker, the transfer from Virginia Tech. Came in, took the most of his opportunity, and that's his team now. Like, he's rolling with it. But three points for an offense like that uh, with Lane Kiffin, that's just too little for me. Like, you just see the value in that, and you have to go for it. Like, what's the chances Tennessee does keep within three? Like, at Tennessee is not the most hostile place. Like, I've been there. It's a little rusty in the stands. Like, the, you know, environment's not too bad. You know, this isn't just hating Tennessee, but it it doesn't just scream, like, there's an advantage for Tennessee there. I mean, they've lost to some terrible teams at home in the last, like, two or three years. So, I'm rolling with Ole Miss minus three on that one. And a matchup we're looking forward to, speaking of Alabama defense, you know Mississippi Mississippi State loves to pass the ball with that air raid offense. I guarantee you Will Rogers is going to have about 60 pass attempts this game against Alabama's defense, who looked suspect. Yes, you know, Malachi Moore was taken out against the Texas A&M defense. I mean, offense. But you kind of see there's some weaknesses in the linebacker core. The secondary is a little hit or miss for Alabama. Are you at all, at all worried with Mississippi State passing ball against Alabama? Uh, no, and here's the answer why. Uh, I believe the number is they average 56 rushing yards a game. Right? So when you have that much of an imbalance, right, I understand Bama just came off of a loss where their defense looked pretty bad against a backup quarterback, right? Texas A&M players are getting injured you know, left and right. Isaiah Spiller left the game for a little bit. I don't. I understand Mississippi State has the kind of defense that could challenge Bama's – or excuse me, has the kind of offense that could challenge Bama's beat-up defense a little bit. I don't think – I don't think it's be much of a challenge on anything. I think Nick Saban's going to have those boys ready to roll, uh, playing angry. And, again, when you average less than 60 yards rushing a game, uh, you're going to have some trouble. Yeah, I'm just saying I heard Will Anderson talk to the media – this week and it gave you chills like he is the kind of guy that players get behind the whole team to me he's one of the best defensive players Nick Saban's had in his whole tenure here which is kind of crazy to say when you think about all the first round draft picks that have come out of Tuscaloosa but Will Anderson's that guy like he took it personally losing that game like he said after that close game to Florida like we had a meeting and we talked and it wasn't taken serious and like he was pissed off he was not happy about that and he's like, and it showed against Texas A&M. Like, but now we know like how that feels, and we don't want that feeling ever again. So, I was hyped up hearing that. I don't think that same Bama defense that we saw last week is going to show up this week. There's no way. I think Will Anderson's going to, you know, put his ears back and just get after Will Levis. I mean, uh, Will Rogers all game long. So, looking forward to that. But speaking of Will Levis, the transfer from Penn State. Kentucky at Georgia on this one is our first preview of the show. Number 11, Kentucky, which is, you know, very surprising. Stoops is killing it over there. Number 11, I would not have imagined them being a top 15 team this season. 
and of course the new number one Georgia Bulldogs. It is what it is. Three thirty game at Georgia, who is a minus twenty one and a half point favorite. That's a lot of points. Are you? Do you feel like it's it's worthy because Georgia's that good, or is that just too many points? Everything that Georgia has shown us, right, would agree with that that line, right? They, they are the number one team in the country, and I think it's pretty clear at the moment. That being said, I think we heard for a lot of weeks that it was Alabama and Georgia's, you know, national championship, you know, a number one and number two spot in the playoffs to lose. I don't disagree right now with it's Georgia's number one spot to lose because I don't think, I mean, any team should jump them if Georgia keeps winning. Um, Georgia hasn't shown me enough yet only because they haven't played um, the level of talent, I think, yet to to prove that I don't don't wrong. I think they're undoubtedly the number one team in the country. They're better than Iowa. They're better than Cincinnati. They're better than Ohio state right now. They're better than Bama right now. I don't think there's a team that would beat them. Um, I'm just waiting for them to play, you know, a good offense, a competent offense. I mean, honestly, can you argue that Auburn is a competent offense? No. I mean, Arkansas, they made them look like it was a JV football team. I mean, it, it, I, so I'm waiting to see it. And Kentucky's offense isn't going to be that one, right? They, they could get rolling a little bit. Uh, but I just think Georgia's defense is going to frustrate Kentucky's offense, you know, to a level we haven't seen in a while. And again, vice versa, Georgia's offense I don't think is that good either. And Kentucky's defense, number seventeen in the country, um, they are missing two starting defensive linemen up front, which I think is going to hurt them big time and be the difference maker when it's all said done with that Georgia offensive line and that run game. Yeah, the thing I'm looking at is you know we've talked with Blaine being the the Georgia scout over there. I, I haven't seen Georgia have to pass the ball yet, and they haven't really had that test. I want to see if they can do that against a really good Kentucky defense. If you're going to win the national championship, if you're going to win the SEC, you've got to be able to pass the ball against Alabama. They've been leaning on this three-headed monster, the run game, just running the ball at will. I mean, even against Arkansas, like they're, they had like, what, 70 or 80 passing yards against Arkansas, and it, did, it wasn't even close. Like I said, they didn't have to pass the ball. They could just run it down your throat, stop you on defense, and you just kind of like, look, we have no answer for this defense with Jordan Davis, who's kind of getting some Heisman favorite, by the way, which I don't know if a D-tackled uh, could win the Heisman, but who knows. But the thing I'm looking at is Will Levis. I haven't seen enough of him to say, yeah, he's capable of scoring some points, leading the offense down. It's been kind of leaning heavily on Rodriguez in that run game. Kentucky ran for 330 yards and three touchdowns against LSU, which is another reason why Coach O's hot is, uh, seat is hot right now. But still, like I look at that matchup and say Kentucky can run, run the ball, but Georgia's not going to let you. This game, to me, feels exactly like the Arkansas game for Georgia. You know, Kentucky has a dominant wide receiver one with Wondell Robinson, who wears number one just like Traylon Burks did. And Traylon Burks was held to three catches for 10 yards. That is insane. Georgia said this is literally your only weapon on offense, and we're going to make sure like he does not get the ball. And I think Georgia's going to do that with Wondell Robinson too. So it's going to lean heavy on Levis in that run game. Can they get things going? And I just see a lot of three and outs. I see Kentucky's defense making some plays, frustrating Kirby Smart, but I just don't think they have the firepower on offense to keep up with them. So like I said, I compare this to the Georgia-Arkansas game. We feel like, oh, man, this is a good defensive matchup. And then you blink and it's like 28 to three and Georgia's kind of pulling away just because of that firepower that they do have on the offense and their defense is not going to let Wando Robinson get going. So if you had a prediction for this game, what's your score? Well, seeing as, and maybe I disappoint some Kentucky wildcat fans um, going on. I don't see Kentucky as a top 15 team. Sorry to all the SC fans out there. I just don't see it. Um, Will Levis. A lot of people remember his, you know, almost game-winning, uh, you know, play against Ohio State in 2019 where he stepped in for an injured Sean Clifford. Um, played well. That was two years ago. Um, I don't see Kentucky winning. I also don't see Georgia covering 21.5 points. Um, I see this game more of like a 27-13 Georgia. Yeah. I, to me, Kentucky gets a lot of turnovers. That's like what they're known for this season. They find a way to make it happen, but they're also – turning the ball over on offense. So I think Georgia can capitalize on that. It, to me, it's which team's more disciplined. I think Georgia clearly wins this game, but like spread-wise, that's that's the one thing that's going to kill you if you're a better. You're watching who turns the ball over. And LSU has not run the ball all season. They somehow rushed for 147 yards against Kentucky last week, which was the biggest surprise to me in that whole game because LSU, like you 
look at the history of running backs. They have no run game this season. They do not trust their running backs. It's all on Johnson this entire season, which really isn't fair to him. Um, so I want to see Kentucky get back to stopping that run game. I don't know if JT Daniels is playing again this season. Like, it doesn't look good, honestly. They're kind of keeping it quiet. So, like, uh, Stetson Benson, like, it's in his hands, and I don't know. He's a good quarterback. I think he can step up, but I want to see how he plays against these better defensive teams. You know, like I said, he didn't have to do it against Arkansas. So I'm watching that, but 21 and a half is a lot. Um, I think Georgia wins this one by 17. I don't think they cover the spread. Um, that's just too many points for me. Um, even though they did it against Arkansas, we said the same thing for that game. We thought uh, it'd be much closer and it wasn't at all. So our second set of the big three here. Headline, what you got, Donovan? Iowa State loses to Kansas State and the hype mm. train is officially derailed. It already kind of was. And now they're three and three again. Iowa State, they've been a big disappointment, right? It, it is a shame. 11 starters on offense back, nine on defense back. You had all the, you had a lot of people behind you, right? A lot of people that weren't Big 12 fans or Iowa State fans, even. You're just I like, this is a good story. Yeah, it was like, I like Matt Campbell, right? I like the oh, yeah. team they got going on. And it just seems like you don't, you don't hear about Iowa State anymore. And quite frankly, you shouldn't. I mean, they, every single, uh, you know, excitement piece that they had coming in a season it's gone and it should be yeah like on paper they're like a top 10 top 15 team like with brock purdy hall uh kolar hutchinson like there's so much that like they have over there i just don't see like why they can't get it together like just getting straight dominated by iowa like that game was ugly and kansas state to me is one of those teams that like seem to upset a good team like every season. Deuce Vaughn runs the ball really well. They can control the game on offense, but they also have a decent defense to just frustrate Iowa State because I haven't seen enough out of them to say, hey, like we are as good as we look because it just hasn't happened yet. So three and three for Iowa State. It's heartbreaking for me. I jumped off that bus quick and I uh, got on the bus at NC State, which is going a little bit. All right. You know, they beat Clemson. That's all I really wanted out of them. Um, and our second bet that we are looking at, one of my favorite teams this season. I think this is a team a lot of people are getting behind. That's Michigan State. Four and a half point favorites over Indiana, who is not good this season. It's funny because everyone thought that Michigan State's offense was going to be terrible, as it usually is, and they're going to have just a dominant defense. But it seems like it's kind of flipped. Like their defense isn't anything of what it's been in the past. But Indiana is so bad, especially on offense. Like, you know, I love Ty Fry Fogel, love Michael Penix, but he has not looked good coming back from this injury. They are turnover prone on offense. I think Michigan State causes two or three turnovers this game and just scores at will against Indiana. Would you disagree? Yeah, Indiana just looked bad. I mean, we talked earlier in the preseason about their offensive line and their struggles they had last year, and they're not really doing anything from them. Their offense can't give it, get it rolling again. Penn State beat them 24 to nothing. I get Penn State's got a pretty pretty good defense. Um, but 24 to nothing after all the momentum you had coming in from last season. Michael Penix doesn't seem like he's gonna play this uh play this next game against Michigan State with backup quarterback Jack Tuttle coming in. By the way, who is Jack Tuttle? Yeah. Great question. <laughs> I'm I'm wondering the same as you guys. Again, I, I the line it's it's strange. Michigan State minus four and a half. I, I feel like it's a little it's almost like the old Miss Tennessee. Like it just seems like it's so off balance, even more so. I mean, even more so than Ole Miss, Tennessee. Like, if Tennessee beat Ole Miss, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. But if Indiana beat Michigan State, I'd be pretty surprised. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised at how low this line is. I've bet Michigan State so many times this season, and they've won it for me every single time. So, like, I as soon as I saw that line, I was like, I'm hammering it because Indiana has not showed me anything. They played Cincinnati kind of close, but, like, it just wasn't enough for me. And we're going to talk about Michigan State coming up in the Heisman race, one of my favorite players in college football. Um, in the matchup, I'm also looking forward to this week, Kenny Pickett versus Virginia Tech defense. Kenny Pickett's draft stock is soaring. He was, like, a round four, round five, maybe, kind of guy going into the season and now he's getting like second round possibly late first if he keeps going talks in the draft community which you watch his tapes and this year he's been phenomenal that offense has been outstanding uh for Pitt so you play this tough Virginia Tech defense who made Jack Cohn look terrible Sam Howell started off the season on the wrong foot upset first week so this this Virginia Tech defense that lunch pail mentality that they go by it's the test for Kenny Pickett. Come April, he's like, hey, watch the tapes. Look what I did against Virginia Tech. 
Now, how do you feel about it? Are you leaning more? Can you pick it? Or are you leaning more towards the Blacksburg defense, Virginia Tech? With the hype that Kenny, Kenny Pickett's uh, come along with, I think, and it's been a kind of quiet hype, right? Which I think is good for the pit team and good for him itself, right? You, you kind of saw the opposite with Sam Howell and UNC. Everyone was like, oh, yeah. Could be the first overall pick if he's not. Yeah, he's going to be the, the second quarterback. Yeah, he's the guy. He could be. He could actually be the Heisman, you know, winner. He. They're going to be the AC winner. They could make the playoffs. And everyone was talking about that. And now this is a quiet. It's just like a kind of draft Twitter kind of hype with Kenny Kenny Pickett, right? I kind of like him in this game. Someone, I think someone said on uh, on Twitter he was he was this year's Joe Burrow. I don't know going that far, right? I don't think he's going to win the Heisman, be the number one overall pick. But his kind of rise, I think, is comparable. I like him and Pitt to get it done. Yeah, his like I said, his like ceiling going into the season was like maybe like a fourth. It just depends because this draft class isn't you know what it was last year at all. Um, but yeah, like you watch any kind of draft talk, listen to the draft podcast out there. Kenny Pickett's name is coming up over and over and over. They're starting to break down his game so much. He does everything so well. Like so, for me, a guy that loves the draft goes to the Senior Bowl, goes to the NFL draft. This is a guy I'm excited about. This is a matchup I can't wait to watch because I know what that Virginia Tech defense is like. But looking at our second preview of the week, let's talk some Big 12. Number 25, Texas looks to bounce back from that terrible comeback loss in the Red River Showdown. Faces a very physical number 12 Oklahoma State defense. And so number 12, Oklahoma State, yes, they're undefeated. They're one of those weird teams. They have these impressive wins like a Boise State beat Baylor pretty bad not too long ago. How do you feel about this Oklahoma State team? Yes, they're 5-0. and They're undefeated. They're ranked in the top 15. Are they for real? See, here's the thing we've talked about a lot on the past few weeks in the podcast, kind of the 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 rise back almost of the of the offensive defensive line game right the trenches. You know, they've got a really strong offensive line game uh, and it's showing in their run game with, you know, Jalen Warren going on right now with uh, 115 carries over 500 yards rushing, six touchdowns. Uh, it's showing and it's showing on their defensive front too. They've got just a stout defensive front that has showed in the, in their previous matchups against Baylor and Boise State, right? The thing that even though we've talked about the rise of that, you know, that kind of trench warfare, you still have to have a an offense that I don't want to say competent, but can spark it when needed. And that's the thing with Oklahoma State that I don't think they have. Spencer Sanders, five touchdowns, four interceptions uh, so far this year. I know. Yeah. And, and I don't think he's a horrible quarterback. I just don't see him as like the guy that can rip off a 400-yard game and four touchdowns when you need to, right? Or not even that, you know, 300 yards and three touchdowns. I don't see him being that guy that can put the team on his back if the offensive line's not playing well. Again, he's their second leading rusher. Behind them, their third leading rusher uh, has not even 70 yards rushing. They don't have a lot going on offense if that offensive line gets shut down. Yeah, and I'm looking at this, only four-point favorites for Texas. Another betting line, you're kind of scratching your head at like, I get it, Oklahoma State has like a, a really good physical defense, but Texas can score quick, but their defense is terrible. And like when I watch Oklahoma State, it really reminds me of Kentucky. Like you have this really good defense. You have this question mark at quarterback with Spencer Sanders. Like you said, turns the ball over. He's like this wild card. He looked much better last year with Hubbard and uh, uh, Wallace as his wide receiver. He had playmakers around him. He couldn't make things happen. I don't think they have that this year. I don't think they have like their Wondell Robinson like Kentucky does. They're, they're missing that big playmaker in the receiving core that can help him out. So I think they're leaning too much on the run game and too much on the defense. Now you watch Baylor. Like I said, um, Sanders had, what, three interceptions that game, and Baylor got nothing out of it. Every single drive was shut down by this Oklahoma State defense, which is led by Malcolm Rodriguez, who has 54 tackles and 31 solo tackles, which is double the guy on the team in second place has. So he's a one-man wrecking crew, and you watch the tape of these guys, and they're just all over the field. They're ball hawks, and they just remind me of that stout, physical, just hard-nosed defense like Kentucky has. So like to me, this is the Kentucky of the Big 12. I really look at this matchup, though. I, I think back to Texas against Arkansas. They were playing a hot Arkansas team at Arkansas. It didn't go their way at all. The offense was struggling. Arkansas did what they wanted to do. They got hyped up early got confident and just ran with it i think oklahoma state can do the same thing i think they can hit texas hard call some turnovers some short drives but man i tell you what one thing oklahoma state doesn't have is a Bajan robinson 
who has 125 rushes, 789 yards, and eight touchdowns this season. That is a 6.3 average. He's definitely in the Heisman talks. I think he's like third or fourth right now in the Heisman odds. We'll get more rankings coming out later in the season. But Robinson, he's the decision maker. He's the playmaker. You really look at this offense from Texas, and it literally runs through Robinson. Do you think Oklahoma State's defense is good enough to stop a run horse like Bijan Robinson? I think they're good enough, and I think one of the advantages that's going to help them is the fact that Texas is doing a little bit of shifting of their offensive line this week. And again, yeah, exactly. Like it happens, it happens in the season, right? I've been on you know teams in the past with Miami where we shifted offensive line matchups week to week, whether it was because of injury or just because we wanted to shift things around a little bit. It's not always a great idea to do that when you're playing the number one, the number twelve team in the country, right? With the best defense you've played so far, it's not the best idea to do that. And so Oklahoma State has that advantage right now of you know Texas shifting. Uh, a couple guys from left to right side are shifting a guard to tackle, which I can tell you from experience is not always the best idea to do that. There's no offense to all the guards out there, but it's just not the best idea to do that. You're shifting around pieces against a very good Oklahoma State defensive front. That's the thing that Oklahoma State has capitalized on is the poor line play that's already been there, right? And, it, and the confusion that will come because if you don't capitalize on that, you're going to get exposed by Robinson. I mean, you just are. He, 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 might be the only reason I think he's not going to be in the top of the stage in the Heisman Trophy race is because of just the the position that Texas is in uh, this year. If he keeps up the same pace, if he stays healthy. Yeah, I mean, he can't keep up with Kenneth Walker the third, who we'll talk yeah. about. But it really makes you wonder, like, is the game going to be in Casey Thompson's hands and can he deliver against that good defense? Now, like you said, you mentioned the offensive line switching around a little bit. Not good for Casey Thompson because Oklahoma State defense has 16 sacks in five games this season, which is 15th in the country with, like I said, one less game than most uh, teams have had so far. So that's, to me, what I'm watching. Those trenches. Can Oklahoma State get to Casey Thompson, cause these turnovers, and it wouldn't surprise me, honestly. So I think that's where more of that four-point favorite line really sways but I just I don't trust Spencer Sanders enough. I've seen so much ugly in his game this season. Like I said, missing Hubbard, missing Wallace. He's just kind of just leaning on that run game. I don't trust it enough. I think Texas controls the game on the ground. I think it's a lower scoring game than what a lot of people are, are projected. I don't know what the over-under is on this one, but I, I would lean more towards the under in this one because I think it's going to be a more three and out, three and out, turnover kind of game, low scoring. How are you leaning on this one? Do you trust Spencer Sanders enough to win this game? No, I don't. I, I'm leaning more on Texas. Um, I, I think my score prediction is going to be 30 to 17, right, which would suggest that Texas kind of had a hold on it the whole time. I think it's be more of Texas lines going to figure out, you know, what they need to do, you know, like early in the game against a kind of great, Oklahoma State uh, defensive front and defense overall. When that finally clicks, I think it will. And again, it helps that you have probably the best running back in the country. Maybe, maybe Kenneth Walker is the best. Who knows? But you have probably the best running back in the country to help you out and kind of accelerate that uh, that little testing time. Once they figure that out, you're going. I think you're going to see just Texas chip away at just one piece at a time against that Oklahoma State defense. It doesn't help if your offense is not giving you anything more than three and outs, which is what I think Oklahoma State's offense is going to do, even against Texas defense, which I don't think is very good. Yeah, and to me, yeah, Texas defense allows 439 yards per game and 29.2 points, which is not good. I mean, I guess by Big 12 standards. Sorry, I know a lot of Big 12 fans here, but still by that standards, I, I that's inexcusable in any conference. So I think those are just too big of numbers, but I don't think Oklahoma State, like I said, Jalen Warren, you can't lean on him but so much. Spencer Sanders, can you step up? Like like with Will Levis uh, for Kentucky, can you do enough to put yourself in a position to win the game? I don't think so. I haven't seen it. I think Texas wins this one by like 7 to 10 range. I, I think they do cover the four. But I think Oklahoma State's defense is actually really good. Um, impresses me when I watch the tape. Like I said, I watched that Baylor game, watched the Boise State game, and I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys are all over the field. That Baylor game was so aggravating because I had them uh, 10 point uh, 
plus 10 and it broke even thankfully but still i was like i saw baylor keep getting the ball over getting these turnovers and they could do nothing with it so we've seen texas get frustrated against an actual defense in arkansas so we'll see if that keeps up i think that's going to be a, a better game than a lot of people are expecting and a headline for our last set of the big three this is an interesting one Derek king who is new to the belief podcast community so welcome Derek king was he forced to have season-ending injury? I saw a tweet with Derek King um, quoting a tweet saying that uh, Manny Diaz quoted and saying that King opted to have season-ending surgery. And he quoted it and he was like, opted? Like with question marks, everyone's like, uh-oh, like this is getting ugly. Like Manny Diaz, you're already on the hot seat. Miami is terrible this season. And now your prized possession quarterback, who's out for the season, is going out on Twitter and saying, I don't think it was much of an opting. It sounds like it was more of like a forced kind of thing. What's your take on that? And does Manny Diaz survive this season? As we all know, once again, uh, for another year, the U is not back. Does not pay me at all in the least to say that, right? It's, it's, you've obviously got turmoil. It's it's not, it's like a step above kind of like with Dan Mullen in Florida, right? Where you saw some of his comments and you're like, yeah, I wonder what those players are thinking. Well, now we know what some of the players in the Miami locker room are thinking. Uh, after you know many Diaz's comments and Derek King's response, essentially on Twitter, um, it you know it, it pains me so much to see the ACC just in shambles. Right, the the U with so much drama. North they Carolina, Wake they're okay. Oh, they're oh yeah, Wake yeah. Wake Forest. Oh man, you know it pains me so much to see the ACC after all the smack I've heard from over the years from Clemson and, and North Carolina fans recently, and, and then the U is back. Right, and it does lead us into our last bet. Uh, for this show, and that is UNC minus seven and a half against Miami. And listen, I know UNC just lost to Florida State, but to jo- Josh, your your point before we started the show is it seems that UNC has a really bad game and then a really good game, and a really bad game and then a really good game. What's your take on this line? To me, Sam Howell, like I watched that Florida State game and it was embarrassing. You lose at home to probably the worst team in the ACC, you know, competing with Syracuse. Um, and you you have to bounce back from that. UNC just Sam Howell doesn't look like a team to me that just rolls over and says, "Yep, season's over." Like we're defeated, kind of thing. Josh Downs is a phenomenal wide receiver. I think he's going to eat up Miami. I saw what uh, Juice Williams did against this Miami defense for Alabama, and I just I think it's going to be too much. Seven and a half points. UNC can score a lot of points. I don't see Miami scoring enough points. Like I said. Attention is on your head coach right now. That's not something that you want going into a game, especially in the ACC matchup. So seven and a half, I don't know. I just, I really like that one. UNC can score a lot of points and fast on them. Um, and here's an interesting matchup. Bo Nix, the last one against Arkansas's defense, who Bo Nix has had some special moments this season, you know, making some magic happen against LSU. Looked uh, kind of like old Bo Nix against Penn State, who actually has a defense. And he goes against probably one of the best defenses he'll play this season. Yes, better than Alabama. I'll say Arkansas's defense is better than Alabama. So I think about Catalone. I think about Bumper Pool. I think about all the guys Arkansas has on defense. For some reason, Auburn is not trusting their offense to run the ball. And we thought they had one of the best running backs in college with Tank. And I'm like, where is he? Like, what's going on with their running game? Why are they leaning so much on Bo Nix? You know, we saw him get benched. He came back and had like the best game probably he's ever had against LSU. How do you feel going against this Arkansas defense that can force a lot of turnovers? Here's the thing that that is, you know, kind of little devil on my shoulder with the doubt with Arkansas. They just gave up 52 points to Ole Miss, right? And I understand Ole Miss has maybe the first quarterback, you know, picked the NFL draft this coming year, right? Maybe the Heisman Trophy winner. I get that. But when you are hyped up to be this defense, that you know, I hyped up Arkansas's defense. We all we all did for weeks on this show, and to go from thirty-seven points against Georgia, right? Which, if you know, you watch the game, it wasn't just like Georgia blast them with thirty-seven yeah. points, right? But then Ole Miss. I mean, it was a shootout. That was neither. I mean, we we knew Ole Miss's defense wasn't that great, but Arkansas's defense, which is supposed to be top, you know, one of the top in the SEC, looked like. I mean, looked like one of the you know below averages, right? I don't know how much I trust his Arkansas team right now, especially with that defense performance. And it almost feels like the magic has worn off. And so I think we're going to learn a lot about Arkansas because they should win this game against Auburn. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see again where their defense you know, squares away with this. 
Yeah, I think they frustrate Bo Nix and handle that easily, to be honest with you. That's just might be the Bama in me, but we'll see. In our last preview of the show, my favorite one, honestly, because it is probably, you know, two teams just burning slowly in the SEC that I just thoroughly enjoy. It's the shoe game rematch, the hot seat showdown. Will Coach O make it out alive at home if number 20 Florida chomps the Tigers of LSU? Let's break this one down. Coach O, you know, he's threatening fans on the radio show. There's a lot going on. Started out the season terrible, you know, with the Sissy Blue UCLA, which he's actually one in three this season against blue teams, and the one being McNeese. You know, who who are they? <laughs> Losing to every other team that wears blue after that comment is like the most most Coach O thing that could happen. But LSU comes in this one with literally a feeling of like the season's over. You have Stingley Jr. out for the season. Kayshawn Boutte is out for the season. Eli Ricks is out for the season. Ali Gay is out for the season. All these All-Americans and playmakers on your team are out for the season. It seems like all you have left is Max Johnson. So how does Coach O handle this? It's at home. It's at 11 a.m. Central Time. Fans won't even be there yet. It's going to take a while. Like It could get ugly before the stadium even fills up. Florida's only 11 and a half point favorites. And I, I honestly feel like that's pretty generous because I look at the run game. And like I said, Kentucky ran the ball at will against LSU 330 yards and three touchdowns. That is what Florida does best. Whether it's Emory Jones, whether it's the run game, like they are going to run the ball at will coach. O will not have a response in this one. Where do you think the biggest difference is in this game between the two teams? Obviously, I think the run game is big uh, for Florida. We know what they bring to the table. I'm going to go a little deeper. I think the biggest difference in this is kind of the behind-the-scenes culture at LSU. I've been in a lot of locker rooms uh, with one team, granted, but I've been in a lot of different locker rooms with different players, different leaders, where things are going you know, perfect for us and things are going horribly. And I think the past two years for LSU, right, you come off of – you know, you're a team that is arguably, I mean, the 2019 LSU team, you can make an argument that they're one of the best teams that we've seen, you know, win the national championship, play college in a long time. I mean, this stacked offense, right? Stacked defensive, you know, talent, right? Joe Burrow, best quarterback in college ball of the year. You go from that, then you go into 2020 with COVID, right? And you, it's hard to think right about much other than that right i was in that last season it's hard to think about football when you have the world screaming at each other right and you have you know a pandemic going on and then you come into this year right and you have some more some high ups your preseason rank people are talking about okay alice will be back this year and then you go down this hole where you're not there nothing's going right for you and now you're at the point where your top talent has left right they've either left for the draft or they're out or they've opted out right whatever it may be and now you're faced with young guys that maybe played a little bit, but probably didn't play a lot in the 2019 game. And they're sitting there and they're starting to question the culture that was built there. Um, and that's not necessarily shot at them um, completely. And it's not necessarily shot at coach L right. For kind of allowing the team to get off track. I think a lot's gone wrong in the past years. And I think that's the difference maker in this game. And it's a shame. See, I like coach L again, people getting offended by the comments he's had. Uh, those are the ones that did not play college football or college yeah. sports because if they did, they would have heard a lot worse. I can guarantee that. Yeah. I will say there's a big difference between coach O and uh, John Gruden. Like it, uh, it's, yes. it's, it's a big difference. Like yes. coach O that's football talk. Like if someone came at me on the radio show, like saying what he said, I would have clapped back too. like, I wouldn't have been like, Oh yeah, you pumped me on radio. Like I'm just going to sit here and, you know, be like embarrassed by it. like, no coach O was like, Boy, like you would not say that to my face, and I 100% agree. Like, he would not have said that to him face to face. But in this game, I've seen Emory Jones, you know, not have to do too much. I don't think he's going to be forced to make these big plays in the passing game. And if he does, I think he'll do enough. But like I said, they're going to run the ball at will. Florida's offense is run heavy, averaging 273.8 rushing yards a game. That's outrageous. I think they'll pass the Kentucky numbers of 330. I think they're close to the 400 range, and it's going to get ugly. I, I think they win this one by, like, 20. I saw what Kentucky did against them on offense and defense. Florida's defense is just as good as Kentucky, like especially the passing defense, which 
That's all LSU has. Like Max Johnson's going to be running for his life. He's going to be forced to make big plays. Like they, they just couldn't make it happen. And Florida's defense has 20 sacks this season. That's not good if you're Max Johnson because you have no run game to help balance things out. They know you're going to pass the ball. And uh, Kira Lam, the guy who threw the shoe last season, the idiot, it, 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 like he's, he remembers that game. He's going to go into this game like, I'm going to make a name for myself that does not include a shoe. Like, hopefully he doesn't throw a shoe. Like, I can't imagine he does it again. Um, and it's a shame that this game is so early. Like, that game last year in the dark, it was foggy. Like, it was just a classic SEC game. And then, like I said, it's 11 o'clock. Half the students aren't even going to be there yet. Um, but Max Johnson, you've been sacked 13 times in six games. You better have a talk with your offensive line. Say like, hey, guys, we're, I'm probably going to get sacked four or five times this game. Just look out for me. Um, I just I don't trust LSU. I, I think Coach O, his seat gets even hotter this game. I think Florida goes to LSU, makes a statement. I would say point-wise, I'm leaning like 38 to 20, maybe 23, something in that range. Is that too far off? Is that too many points for Florida or no? No, I don't think so. And I think, I don't think this is the game where, uh, and I'm with you about the same kind of points, like, you know, 41, 23, 38, 20 kind of score. I'm with you. Um, I don't think this is the game where Coach O gets fired if it's that score, even if it's worse. Um, that being said, I think this is the game where it's like, okay, we maybe we kind of get it, right? You had a lot of players out, like a lot of media attention, but next week, you know, that's it. And I think after, uh, after this Florida game, it, it's kind of be unspoken that Coach O's on his way out, and I'm with you. I think the Florida Florida run game is going to roll, right? I mean, I mean, they they have too much. I respect Kentucky's run game, uh, but I don't think they're on Florida's level. I mean, honestly, no. I, and I don't think that's that's too far out there to say. I think Florida rolls, um, and it's a shame to see Coach O leave because I think he, you know, he's one of America's favorite coaches. Yeah, he's he bleeds LSU like through and through. Um, but I saw Emory Jones in that Florida offense, what they did against Alabama, you know, struggled against Kentucky, rightfully so. But I think this is just the perfect game for them. Dan Mullen, his his seat should be hot too, just because of his coaching style sucks, his attitude sucks, his comments suck after the game. But I, I think this is such a make or break game for Coach O, and I'm just leaning Florida heavy on this one. So to end the episode, let's talk about our Heisman talk. And I can't wait for this because I'm not picking Bryce Young. Like surprisingly enough, I will tell you who my favorite guy is. Now, Bryce Young is the favorite right now. Even after that loss to Texas A&M, is that fair? No, I, I, I don't, don't think, think it was so. his fault. They lost. Like so much just went wrong. That game, the interception, in the end zone, absolutely his fault. I think he started a great game, but the play make the play calling sucked for Alabama's offense. But I get what you're saying. AM defense, they literally, I mean, they called up the perfect scheme against Bama's offense. And I, I get that Bama, I, I get that Bama scored, what was it, 38 points still. And they still moved the ball, right? They still got their yards, they still got their points. But like when you when you came down to it, Alabama's offense just did not adjust to the to the things that Texas A&M was doing. I mean, Texas A&M was timing up the snap count, right? They were they were they were watching the offensive lineman signal or the guard signal to the center for the for the silent snap count, right? They were timing up, and it's like, okay, this happened three times. We've been sacked three times on this. Why don't we change things up? No, they didn't do it. Um, I don't I don't know if Bryce Young should should be the favorite, but again, he is at this point. I could still see it rolling along, especially if Bama comes back with a force, which I think they will, unfortunately. Yeah, they're not happy. Bryce Young, 136 for 196, 1,734 yards passing, 20 touchdowns, three interceptions. And he hasn't really even shown like his run game, which was phenomenal in high school, by the way. That dude's got wheels. Um, Juice Williams from Ohio State, best thing to ever happen to us. I'm glad. You're welcome. Um, uh, yeah, He'd be thank our fourth you. best receiver on the team this year. Hey, he, he's killing it for us. I'll just look any of yeah. it, but I'm glad it was him, honestly. Uh, Matt Corral, like you said, even though – they lose to Alabama. Doesn't look too good. You know, he's on fire against a great Arkansas team. Wins at the end there. Second, it's really close. Like, he's not far behind Bryce Young at all. Do you think he has a legitimate shot? Say Ole Miss loses two, three games a season. You know, makes a bowl game. Looks pretty good. Like, do you think he still has a good enough shot to win the Heisman? You know, listen, I think we've seen a trend in the past few years with the Heisman kind of uh, finalists and winners. I mean, last year we had Devontae Smith. 
congratulations, Josh. Right, the year before we had Joe Burrow. It's a, it, it seems like kind of a trend. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. Of you know, I get the top players obviously, but the top players on the top teams are the ones having the biggest shot. And so even if Matt Corral is the best player in the country, is the best quarterback, if his if they're going nine and three and they go play in the you know the congratulations bowl game on December thirtieth, that's bowl game number five of the day. I don't see him pulling it out as a Heisman Trophy winner. Now, if they don't lose another game this season, yeah, yeah, you better bet. You better believe that he could absolutely finish first. Especially even if Alabama keeps winning, if Bryce Young doesn't, you know, kind of match, you know, Matt Corral, I could absolutely see him winning. I think he has a shot. And like off the top of my head, I'm trying to think like the last player like wasn't like a dominant team, like maybe like RG three when he was at Baylor. Like yeah. they were good, but they weren't like you know, like I said, you know, playoff enough playoffs back then, but like caliber kind of team. Um, and like we said earlier in the show, Bajon Robinson, this might be his Heisman game against a really good Oklahoma State defense, putting up ungodly NCAA video game type numbers. Do you think a running back actually has a shot this year? And if so, is Robinson your pick? Uh, if there's any running back that's going to do it, I think it's him. Um, only because you look at some of the running backs in the country outside of Kenneth Walker. You look at a guy like, and again, I don't want to be too much of an Ohio State homer, but Trayvon Henderson averages the first down every time he touches the ball. That's crazy. He's a true, he's, yeah, he's a true freshman, right? He's not putting up the eye-popping numbers uh, yards-wise as, as Kenneth Walker and uh, Bajan Robinson is, but he's surrounded by other talent, right? Bajan Robinson and you know, a guy like Kenneth Walker, they are like they're what's being talked about on their team's offense right now. So it only helps them in terms of media coverage and just the attention that's brought to When you watch Texas – or Michigan State, you're going to watch for the, you know, most people are going to have their eyes on those guys. That's what they're hearing. I think Kenneth Walker had, uh, you know, like a couple spots on, on Times Square I saw on Twitter today. I had some video on some video boards. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. He He's my favorite player. Um, I can't wait to talk about him. CJ Stroud, I'll let you have your moment. Started out rough. Obviously, had the Oregon game, didn't look good. We were like, man, this, this just doesn't look like that Ohio State offense. You know, we're not seeing enough Gary Wilson. We're not seeing a much, you know, Olave. Like you said, it was kind of like all Henderson for uh, for a while. Do you think CJ Stroud slowly building a Heisman like resume that they can bounce back? Say they don't win it. I mean, say they don't lose another game this season. Ohio State wins out, wins some big games. Does he have a legit shot of putting his name in the race? What I think has been big for CJ Stroud, and and I'm still a little hesitant to say this. But I'm again, I'm a Buckeye fan until I die, so I have to, I have to be a little, you know, a little opt- cautiously optimistic. I think his shoulder injury that we heard just a little bit about was a bigger deal um, than it was, uh, you know, talked about. It wasn't so much that C.J. Stroud wasn't that good of a quarterback; I think his shoulder was bothering his throwing arm. Uh, we're gonna find out very quickly after the Ohio State's bye week this week, and then going to play Indiana, right? Again, is struggling, and then going to the gauntlet. We're going to yeah. see how much it was his shoulder or it was him just not being a very good quarterback so far. Again, he's got 1,700 yards passing, 18 touchdowns, three interceptions, and they're going to play a gauntlet. There's no reason that there's no reason that he couldn't keep accelerating this and just building his resume, not necessarily to win it, but to be a finalist for sure. Yeah. Speaking of gauntlets, though, this is my guy. If I had, if I was a Heisman voter, this is my guy. We've mentioned him. Kenneth Walker III is the most electric running back in college football right now. He's the only guy I've seen dap up his teammate and do a handshake on the way to the end zone. That was ridiculous. On the longest run in Michigan State history, by the way, just straight up dapping up his boy on the way to the end zone. It's so disrespectful. But Kenneth Walker is now third in the Heisman odds, and he's putting on a clinic, and I look at the rest of the offense, and it's not like it's just him. Like they have a legit offense this year, um, especially with uh, Reed at wide receiver. Like they have playmakers all over the place. So I look at these numbers and it's honestly astonishing. I talked about the gauntlet he has Indiana this week. Then he has Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State still left on the schedule. So he has his opportunity. Like he has every chance in the world. But listen to this. He has 26 carries of 10 plus yards this season. That is tied most all time in the first six games of the season. That's ridiculous, but it gets even better. He has two games of which he rushed for over 230 yards in those games already this season. And I think he'll do it at least one more time. And his year total comes out to 129 rushes for 913 yards already in nine touchdowns. That's Derrick Henry like numbers when he won the Heisman. 
Like that is insane. And he's also reliable. He hasn't fumbled in 315 carries dating back to last season. It's the longest streak in college football. So like Kenneth Walker, if a running back is going to put a name in the Heisman race, it's absolutely him. Everything he does, the way he runs the ball, his cuts, his timing, his patience at the line, finding his open holes, vision, everything he does. I just love watching him run. And they say, you know, running back lives don't matter. And like the NFL and stuff like that. I say BS. You watch this guy run the ball and it is just beautiful football. So right now I'm, I'm voting Kenneth Walker. I'm sorry, Bama fans. Like I know I should say Bryce Young. I should push that train. But Kenneth Walker is the unstoppable force in college football this season. And Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. How, how tough is that? All right. Listen, he's the best running back in, in the Big Ten right now. And right now the Big Ten – has a has a good core of running backs, Trayvon Henderson, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, Michigan's running game, right? It, it leads it leads in it's up there in the nation in, in total rushing yards. Uh, he's standing out, and again, it, it not to say that you know people didn't expect him to be a good running back, but it's it's surprising that he is arguably the best running back, and that he's in this spot now. That Michigan State's in this spot right now. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to see it. Like I said, we didn't expect Michigan State's offense to be anything like this, and I expect more handshakes on the way to the end zone. But, guys, that is this week's episode. So, like I said, sign up for Bet Online. Use the promo code BLEAV. Ole Miss minus three at Tennessee. Michigan State, four and a half point favorites against Indiana. And then UNC, seven and a half point favorites versus Miami. I think Sam Howell gets back on track with that North Carolina offense. And also subscribe to the 365 Sports channel so you don't miss out on anything. Always have up-to-date content, keeping you informed with everything going on in college football. And also a shout-out to the Sideline Sports Network for college football, NFL, you name it. Regardless, they have you good to go. So give them a follow on Twitter at Sidelines underscore SN and SSN underscore college CFB to stay up to date because we have a lot of action left. And like I said, we will be back on Sunday to break it all down for you. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.